Welcome back to StadiaCast, everybody. I'm Bill. That's Lloyd. How is it going this morning, Lloyd? He's dancing. I'm too busy. I'm too busy night at Roxbury with our uh, intro music. So that was good. No, things are good, man. It's it's been a whole other week. It doesn't feel like a whole week has passed uh, because of insanity here in my personal life, uh, work life, I guess, not personal life. Um, so it's kind of weird that we're already here talking about Stadia again because this this whole this whole week has just flown by. The older you get. The faster those weeks seem to go, uh, right. and that's that's yeah. that. Them's just facts, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I, I know exactly how you feel. Um, fun fact for everybody watching right now: uh, Lloyd, actually older than me, jerk, looks younger, but he's older. It's all this gray in my beard. It's funny because, like, most of the time I'm on the Nerd Nest YouTube channel, and I am subscribed to my old channel. Run, jump, stomp, right? Right. And I happened to be, like, watching a video on YouTube or whatever, and an old video of mine came up from, (laughs) like, two years ago. My beard was a lot darker just two years ago. (laughs) It was very (laughs) upsetting to me. I was, like, I was flipping through, and you know how on, on mobile, the videos will just automatically start like playing with no sound? And I was talking about some game or whatever, and I was like, oh, no. Look at how dark my beard is, and look at how gray it is now. It, That's funny. Reese Diaz in chat is saying, "I thought you were ten years older than him." <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, COVID. COVID's been rough on your beard, Bill. Yeah, say. A little bit. Uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about how ridiculously old I am, uh, but we are here to talk about video games, specifically games on the cloud, and more specifically games. On Google Stadia, which is what we talk about each and every week right here on our YouTube channel, which you can find over at youtube.com slash nerdnest. If you're listening to the podcast, head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe and click the bell and all the things because it helps us out. Um, Every morning, every morning, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Lloyd and I sit down and we talk about the stuff that we've been playing. Lloyd, what have you been playing? I've been playing a fair bit, Bill. You know, I've talked about it on the show. I don't know if it's this show, maybe other shows. I used to be a complete addict when it came to trophy and achievement hunting. So I I had uh, did that on Xbox for a while, and then I switched over to PlayStation. And I got up to like uh, 100 Platinums on PlayStation before I stopped doing that. And I so far have been able to stay away from achievement hunting on Stadia other than uh, trying to finish games and, and things like that. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've relapsed. I'm a bit of a, of a <laughs> achievement hunter again, and I've been going through some of my older games on Stadia, uh, some of the newer, older games that I hadn't completed. And I'm on a, I'm, I'm on a bit of a streak of hundred percent in games on Stadia. Wow. I've been using great websites like uh, stadiahunters.com where you can link your Stadia profile and it, it slurps up all of your, your achievement progress and it puts you in graphs and, uh, awesome little uh, little um, I don't know lists of top top gamers for different uh, countries. I'm number one in Canada, by the way. So if you go to the Canadian list, I'm the number one achievement hunter. I don't know how you can find it. Maybe it, it links off my profile or something. Anyway, um, I, I've been doing a lot of that. So I've jumped in and I've played a bunch of games that I hadn't finished. So I went through and I hundred percented uh, chorus which is fantastic. Uh, I did everything that there was to do in Chorus on um, on Google Stadia. And from start to finish, uh, other than uh, like initially at the uh, very, very tippity top of uh, of the um, of, of the game where things are starting, where you're uh, going through and uh, you're whispering to yourself and all that stuff. Uh, I, I I was a little unsure about that, but then the story really kicks in and it becomes like this crazy uh, space opera with like a religious cult and all this other stuff. And I just really, really love chorus. So I, I completed it over the weekend hundred uh, um, percent after uh, beating the game prior. And um what a great game. Uh, if you already own it, there's no reason not to go in and 100% it because uh, all of the side quests are really fun. Um, but even if you just go through and beat it, it's a really, really great uh, story. So uh, Chorus has been a hell of a lot of fun, Bill. That's that's awesome. And I was not listening to most of what you were saying because I was like browsing through Stadia Hunters to find 
uh, your stuff, and sure enough, it did show that you were... It's a little confusing, because, like, I was looking at the leaderboards, and there were a couple people that were ahead of you, but then when I click on you, it says number one, and so... I don't know what that means, but that's a really well-designed website. I, I always, as somebody who, I don't make websites or anything, uh, I get really frustrated when websites are terrible and hard to navigate. Right. That one is very easy to navigate, and it looks nice, too. So Stadia Hunters, uh, very, very cool. I don't want to know. I sent you a link. I yeah. sent you a link, by oh. the way. That that shows my my number one status, so you can uh, you can share it with everybody. I don't know if you got that specific one up. There we go. Okay, I don't know if this is exactly the same thing. Uh, th- this is different because you were in a you were down in third place. Yeah, I think I that was for games, that. games completed. They they have a whole bunch of different ways that you can rank yourself. Like the number of hundred percent. So the little gold trophy or the gold uh, controller means you've gotten all the achievements on that game. Uh, then there's the little trophy th- icon. That's the total number of achievements you've gotten. And then there's the little bar graph. That's your um, your computed score, I think, is what it is based on whatever metrics they use. You nerd. <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's but it's been fun, really man. Cool it's been really fun. I don't yeah. want to yeah. know how much time that I've uh, that I've spent <laughs> playing games. Like I remember back in the day playing World of Warcraft and you would type, I think it was slash age or something. And it would be like, yeah. you've played, or no, I think it was played, you would type. Uh, and it would played, say, yeah. you've played this many uh, days or whatever, and then <laughs> this many at this level. And it was very interesting when you were leveling up. Like, you were like level 30 or whatever, and you're like, man, this really taking me a long time to get to level 31. I'm going to mm-hmm. type in played. Oh, okay, it's actually not too bad. But then after you hit max level and you keep playing for... <laughs> seven years or whatever uh and then you type slash played it's kind right. of upsetting and then they ended up bringing in like i think you could bring it in so it could tell you all your characters it's like across all of your characters or across your account bam blah 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 oh my god <laughs> it, it was it was not good so i don't like looking at that because it makes me feel bad although i always tell my friend time enjoyed is not time wasted so uh very true yeah very true. So you also have um a bunch of other games. Yeah, serious, of serious Sam games. Four. You've been playing. What's up with that yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a game that I had uh, snagged to do uh, crowd crowd play with it because they have ways where um, through the YouTube integration, people can jump right into your multiplayer session. Um, but uh, our our plans to do that uh, before the holidays fell through didn't happen. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go in and I'm going to play Serious Sam. And I I sat down on the weekend, and uh, my my buddy, uh, my son, came and sat beside me, and because he wanted to play it a little bit and he wanted to see what it was all about. And uh, over the course of a day, I 100%ed that game. I went through every level. I went back, replayed all the special missions that you had to to get uh, all the achievements. I got to say, um, from as rough as the first mission in Serious Sam is, where you can get outside the boundaries of the main kind of mission area, super easy just by jumping on a couple crates and yeah. then you basically have to reload. The game itself is ridiculous fun. If you have an affinity for 90s first person shooters, like if you liked the Doom, the Wolfensteins, the uh, Duke Nukem, all those amazing early 90s uh, first-person shooters when the genre was just trying to become something. Uh, Serious Sam has a lot to do with that. Like, there's levels where there'll be 100 enemies on screen easily chasing after you, and then there'll be levels where you're kind of going through kind of corridors of, like, broken-down um, stone buildings as you're going through cities and 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 just popping, popping out into, like, one or two enemies at a time. So there's a very diverse amount of gameplay in this game from from start to finish. It has some really weird things where um, at one level you you're basically getting on uh, a motorcycle and driving for kilometers of of in game real estate, and it takes time like 15 minutes to get from oh, no. the start of the level to where you actually have to go. I don't like that so much. That's kind of like wasting your time for a cheap joke because there's a couple little one liners that are that are thrown out when you start the level and when you get your motorcycle. Other than that, I absolutely enjoyed Serious Sam 4, and I'm looking forward to doing some multiplayer with it because on Stadia, there's something cool about popping in. Um, the load times are egregious in this game, and uh, that's, that's the way they are in every version of Serious Sam 4 across the, the world, from what I understand. I haven't tried any of the other versions. 
Uh, but once you get into a game, like reloads are quick, popping around, uh, really ridiculous weapons. Um, a bunch of the best weapons are hidden in the in the levels, so you have to come upon them to find them. Uh, such a great game. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, a lot more than I thought I would when I was just going through mainly just to, uh, to, to, to show my son what the game was all about because he was kind of interested in checking it out. Yeah, I... When I first loaded it up, because I, I did a live stream when the game first came out, and immediately I broke the game by by going out of bounds and then wandering around outside the city in like this unfinished area that you're not supposed to be in. Um, and the gameplay itself was enjoyable. I really, really, and I know they, that they were going for this as, like this is what they were aiming for, is... The ridiculousness, like of uh, like Army of the Dead, that kind of yep. ri- ridiculousness, over the top character that mm-hmm. I just found irritating, and I know he's supposed to be irritating. I couldn't stand him. Uh, so yep. playing the Serious Sam games, I found to or uh, four, I found to be a little frustrating just with the dialogue that nonstop happens and the fact that if you get killed, like if I remember correctly, you have to hear all of it over again and again and again every time you get killed. Uh, Some of it, yeah. Which was really kind of grating. Um, but the gameplay itself was good. It just feels like a game that was unfinished. Like they shipped it way too soon and they could have done a lot more work on it to make it a lot better corny sure. cornball dialogue aside right yeah i could i could see all of that that's kind of how serious sam has always been it's kind of been the kind of like overloaded by enemies in a kind of a janky uh complete package um yeah. and 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 that's very very similar to a bunch of games from the 90s that's how they would come out and they they were it, it was a time of game development where uh, you're lucky if your game can actually ship if you could get it in such <laughs> a way such a such a place that you could actually ship it and people could play it um, very much that is what Serious Sam is. Um, I'm sad that we're not getting the sequel to Serious Sam 4 on Stadia. And everyone's like, oh my god, it's not coming to Stadia. Stadia is dead. And no, it's not coming to Stadia because it's uh, it's an official mod pack from all the people who have been playing Serious Sam 4 on Steam. They bundled together a bunch of the modded levels, got permission from these modders, and created kind of like a an old school kind of Doom do mod pack that you would see back in the day where you'd buy an expansion which is mainly just a collection of mods that the community had put together so it's kind of really interesting to see this franchise still have a lot of like really big fans that are spending time um creating content for it so uh maybe we'll get that um like siberian something siberian storms update or whatever whatever they're calling it maybe we'll get that in the future uh because i'd love to play through that stuff as well because i had a lot of fun playing through uh series m4 yeah, back when Stadia was first announced and it wasn't even out yet, um, we had John Justice, uh, head of product for Google Stadia at the time, on the show, and we asked about mods and if mods were coming, and they were like, it's absolutely in our plans to have mods come to Google Stadia, but that's up to the individual devs. Yep. We haven't seen any... Have we Have we seen any no. mods on Stadia, Lloyd? I don't believe so. I can't think of any games that would have any sort of mods, uh, like either through a, a way that you can go to a website and add it to your game profile, some weird kind of back channel way to yeah. get mods in, or an in-game browser like you get in like the the modern version of Skyrim or Fallout, where you can go into kind of like the mod store on a console and download those things. I don't believe we have any of that stuff on uh, on Stadia at all. Yeah. Uh- and that's one of the things where they've said that we're going to get it, and then we haven't gotten it after two years, and I'm wondering what's well, taken a really, really long time. Uh, is it still coming? No way for us to really know yet. Uh, right. You've also said that you've been playing Immortal Phoenix Rising. Yeah, so um, I beat that game shortly after launch. Loved my whole playthrough. Uh, but there's three sizable DLC uh, uh, that were part of the season pass, which I have, and I just had never played. Um, so I decided to go back to that game and I've been playing through the, uh, new God, um, Eastern something <laughs> and, uh, and old gods, I think are the, the three different, uh, DLC packs. And I've been going through those and playing through, 
um, some of the main base game as well. Uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising is such a fantastic title. Um, the the DLC is sizable. I think to complete all the DLC is like thirty five to forty hours, based on like the ten hours for the first one, fifteen hours for the the second one, and then ten hours for the third one or whatever. So I don't know if I'm going to complete complete all of this, even though I said I'm I'm back on the the achievement chasing b- uh, bandwagon and I want hundred percent as many games as possible. I don't know if I'm going to finish all this um, because I noticed that one of the uh, one of the things that I'm missing in the main game is to do like eighty five of the things in the game and i'm only at like 50 and i'm thinking to myself do i really want to do 35 more of these things i don't know (laughs) um but uh the dlc is really good and it just i don't know it's been it's been nice to go through my sizable stadia library just kind of slide to the the right and go through all the icons and remember all these games that i got 10 percent through 50 percent through 75 percent through and not finished and just going through and revisiting all these old games um, there is such a, uh, a just a large collection of content and a lot of varied uh, content on Stadia. So it's been nice to kind of revisit all that stuff because you you forget after a while, after you've been talking about these games for two years, you kind of forget some of the amazing experiences you had. Yeah, and I, it's definitely a problem that I think a lot of content creators run into where, you know, we start playing a game and we're enjoying said game. But then new shiny thing, especially me, new shiny thing distracts us. And we're like, well, you know, there's a new game out. I'm going to talk about it on the show. I might as well play a little bit of it. And that means I don't get back to those other games. And so I I, I don't know about you, Lloyd, but for me, on on especially on Stadia, I think that I've done a lot of sampling. Yeah. Uh, played That's a lot of a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but not a lot of very many. There's very few games that I've played a lot of on Stadia. And it looks like you're a 43 out of 68 achievements on Immortals Phoenix Rising. So you better get back to work. <laughs> yeah, I got some more <laughs> more stuff to uh, to dig into for sure. But uh, but yeah, I've just been enjoying going back and just playing games, uh, not not from a not taking my content creator hat off where you're always going after the next biggest thing so that you can get the content out there. It's been it's been kind of therapeutic going through and and playing through kind of old games, sitting on the couch with the family and, and doing kind of old school gameplay stuff. So I've been uh, really, really enjoying that a lot. So uh, this week I've played more of Rainbow Six Extreme. Oh, wait, what do you got there? Oh, the yeah, I forgot thing. about that. Last yeah. thing. I- I want to do a sneak a sneak uh, sneak peek for everybody that's been watching. Uh, this came in the mail uh, today or this week rather. It's called the Evercade Evercade VS or Versus. Uh, the developers say that it's VS, and this is a console version of the handheld Evercade that I have right behind me here. It plays uh, these amazing things called cartridges. Uh, that you can slide into the unit. The Evercade VS is a console that goes to your TV, and it has two cartridge slots. You can put two of these amazing cartridges in it, which is uh, pretty fantastic. So I'm going to be putting an overview together. So if anybody's interested in kind of retro game stuff, these are all old games like Intellivision and Atari Lynx and Atari Arcade and Technos and Jalico and all these amazing old game developers. Um, they've been releasing cartridges uh, on the Evercade. So I'm going to be uh, putting putting some videos up on this stuff. So if you're interested in retro stuff, some more of that stuff will be coming uh, down the pipe as well. Well, that looks that looks really, really cool. Uh, so I'm looking forward to watching that video. I, I didn't order one of those, but it, it definitely is something that's on my radar because I love retro games. If, if anybody's looking on the shelf behind me, I just see a bunch of uh, old retro hardware back there. Um, Anyway, I've been playing uh, a little more Rainbow Six Extraction, and yeah, I've been doing uh, some of that as well. W- w- say good. that again. I said I've been doing a little bit of that as well. I didn't put it on my list, but it's good. We got to play more games, Bill. Yeah, that game is incredibly fun. Um, like Lloyd and I and a buddy of ours, Richard, sat down and we played. I don't know a bunch of missions uh, this week, and we had a lot of a lot of fun with it. And I, I played it a bunch throughout the week as well, and, and that was just with random people. And I think that the problem that the game was – and I, I think I talked about this a little bit last week, but I think the problem that the game was getting uh, at the very beginning was that nobody knew what the hell they were doing. Um, now, <laughs> right. my success rate when I go into a mission with two random people – much, much higher than it was the first week because people okay. understand the mechanics. And it's really fun. You can communicate very, very easily with the 
uh, with the ping system. Thank you, Apex Legends, for inventing that, if that's who actually invented it, because it's amazing. Every co-op shooter needs a ping system. Not even just shooter. Every co-op game needs a ping system. Um, that game is just absolutely ridiculously fun. And there's a, there's currently a free trial on Stadia. So if you go to Stadia and you click on Rainbow Six Extraction, you can play the game for free. I think it's for two hours. Uh, So you can see if you are interested in that. And they have this buddy pass system, Mm -hmm. which they they had told us about at launch, but it didn't come out until earlier this week. And basically, the way that it works is every person who owns the game has a two buddy pass tokens uh so then somebody will install install if they're on stadia obviously no installation needed but uh they will get the game the the trial version and then sign up to ubisoft plus and then the like i own the game and two of you do that trial thing where you 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 know and then i send you a message through the in-game menu and it activates a 14-day pass on your account, which I think is a really great way to do it, especially because it's a game where you are playing with three people, uh, you right. and two others. So you buy the game, and then you can get your two friends to play it. And if it gives you two weeks to really enjoy the game uh, you know, as a team, and then if you're still enjoying it, then your friends can pick that pick up that game. Uh, I think yep. that this is a really good marketing strategy from Ubisoft, and I really, really like this game. Yeah, I, the marketing strategy is fantastic. I think it was Jem that put out a tweet that said, if you want to play Rainbow Six Extraction, you don't have to buy it. Sign up for Ubisoft Plus and you get a free month. Then go to Stadia and play for two weeks for free and then or two hours for free and then use a buddy pass and play for for two weeks for free from your friend. And you can get six weeks and two hours for free with this game, which is was kind of a funny, tr- uh, funny tweet. But it, it shows kind of what Ubisoft is trying to do here. They want to get as many people in and playing this game uh, as possible. We've seen um, I, I think daily unique users is somewhere up in north of three million people yeah. or something um, or or lifetime unique users rather not daily unique users is somewhere north of three million. Having this launch right into Game Pass, I think, was great for the, the franchise and this particular title. And um, it'll be interesting to see how this game evolves over time. It's been it's been a heck of a lot of fun. You look at the the store, all the cosmetics, you know, that's kind of what they really want people to be spending their money on. Mm-hmm. They they want you to get in for free so that you're okay buying $25, $50 worth of currency to buy a, a glowy head skin or whatever whatever gun that you want or, or whatever. Um, they want this game to last and be out there for a long time. So I wouldn't be surprised that in six months, this game becomes 100% free to play if the, if, if the users are still there. Um, because they they want people to be playing this and uh, and buying the cosmetics and and things like that. So, loving the game. Uh, I I love it way more than I thought I would, and um, I I'm I'm really happy that it did, did come to Google Stadia. Boy, I don't understand why they didn't just go full free to play at the very beginning because they have that cosmetic stuff. There's a battle pass system, I believe, if I remember. I didn't. I don't care about the cosmetics, sort of, so yeah. I didn't even bother looking at that, but. I'm sure that they have a battle pass system. Uh, they have the cosmetics. That's where the real money is to be made. This game should be free everywhere because then a lot more people would be playing it. And I wonder if they go, if they if they move from what they have now to free to play, there's always that negative connotation that comes along with ah they just went free to play must mean the game is failing and even though maybe the game's not failing they just think that it's a better business model for them it just seems like a weird move but of course you know they're in the video game business and i'm in the attic business so what do i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly yeah it's uh, i could see this becoming a game that sticks around for a long time and they can definitely inject a, a a nice boost of life into the game in in a few months, uh, six months, whatever whatever it happens to be, just by going free to play, and that will inject a whole other set of users that they can go and start extracting money from, um, which is a good name for this game, extraction. <laughs> That's right. It extracts the money from your wallet. All right. Speaking of uh, extracting money, uh, apparently Activision Blizzard. We talked about we we said we were going to talk about this last week. We never got to it because there was. We too much to talk about, but 
Activision Blizzard is going to extract $70 billion from Microsoft. And I want to talk about the effect that this could have on Stadia. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and start. I don't think it will have any effect on Stadia. And people might hear me say that and well that doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't it have an effect on Stadia? Now now we can't get these Activision games because Microsoft's not gonna put them on Stadia. Look at your Stadia libraries. There mm-hmm. is, I think, precisely one game that is published by Activision on Stadia, and it was not published on Stadia by Activision. It was published by some other company on Stadia. They aren't the rights holders for that game, and that's Sekiro. Sekiro, on other platforms, is published by Activision. They don't own the rights to that. There are no Activision Blizzard games on Google Stadia. Why, that's this, this means that that's just going to continue to be par for the course and no effect on Stadia because I think it was pretty safe to say that Activision had no interest in bringing their games to uh, this particular platform. What do you think yeah. about that, Lloyd? A hundred percent. I don't think it's going to affect the short term of Google Stadia at all. It might affect the long term. Like if Google Stadia becomes the platform for cloud gaming uh, in in the future and we don't get the, the next Call of Duties or whatever, that could be a bit of an issue. But we don't have any right now. So it's not something to worry about. Uh, I've, I'm this pandemic has taught me a lot of things. One thing is worry about the things you can change. <laughs> and and that is kind of how I'm how I'm uh, going into news like this. Like it, it could be bad in the future, but it's not bad now. So I'm OK with it. Um, I talked a little bit about this yesterday on uh, CGX cast, and I, I fully think that this purchase is to compete with Netflix, 100 percent to complete with Netflix and not Netflix as it is now but the future of Netflix gaming and um, having having the Netflix video games, because what Microsoft has seen from their their switch from selling individual products to people to selling services across pretty much all of their software suite, they've they've done a lot of changes in the last 10 years. What they've seen happen to Netflix is Netflix loses The Office, Netflix loses Golden Girls, Netflix loses all of these like really fan favorite pieces of content. And also Netflix has announced that a lot of their content has gone up in price over the years. That's why they want to keep increasing the, the the money that we're paying them every single month to stream these videos. Microsoft is seeing this and they don't want to be painted into a corner of, OK, we, we have this great Call of Duty game this month, but it's leaving next month because Call of Duty signed a huge deal with Netflix. Now we can't stream their games anymore. So they're buying one of the largest uh largest publishers in the world that owns the more IP than I think any other company out there for gaming. Mm-hmm. And they just said, Hey, we've just added a thousand games to our back catalog. So when game pass becomes the way forward and we're no longer, no longer selling a $500 console to people, we're just selling them a 15 or $20 a month subscription. Now we can go back and we can create these great DOS box emulator emulator things to emulate uh old dos games from 486 era uh into ps2 and playstation 3 and all these era of video games and we can just put them up on our service and we don't have to pay any money to all these other companies because we own them so i fully think that's all this is unfortunately down the road uh that means that it's unlikely that we're going to be getting uh the next diablo on stadia or the next call of duty on stadia unless microsoft changes what they're doing as a company because when they bought zenimax and 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 said that well yeah we'll bring all these other games to all the other platforms if they already have an agreement and then they announced that starfield was no longer coming to playstation that kind of gives us a future a look at the future of microsoft owned games and whether they're going to be on other platforms so yeah potentially stuff to worry about in the future nothing to worry about now but this is a a huge get uh, and it's mainly because of the future of gaming they want to be they want to own all these rights so that no one can pull them away from them when they want to get it on their streaming service plus they can then keep this content away from other streaming services unless there's some sort of beneficial deal worked out where game pass can go on playstation if you want to have these games or whatever yeah i i I think that Microsoft, like like you're right, that they yanked away Star, Star Starfield. They yanked away Starfield from other platforms. Um, I don't think that they would do that. 
with the big ones because I can see them saying, oh, well, Starfield, that's a new IP. That's not an established property. That's people. If they did that with Call of Duty, people like there would be torches and pitchforks in the streets. People would be super angry about that. The government would come after them saying you're doing monopolistic business practices. I don't think that they want to run into those issues. So the big ones, I think, will still be multi-platform. But I don't think any of those were coming to Stadia anyway. Activision had pretty much said, yeah, no thank you. Um, I don't understand why. Uh, probably because they didn't want to, to, to adjust. They didn't see the justification for porting it uh, to another platform. Um, right. And Microsoft is definitely not going to do it. But like I said, it's par for the course. This is what we already had. So this isn't actually going to affect Stadia. I don't know if Activision ever would have come around to this or if they're big enough that they would have just said, well, we'd just make our own or white label it, which we'll talk about a little bit uh, at the end. Uh, anything else about that before we talk about the the pro games this this month? Just one little funny thing. If uh, Microsoft would have a bit like bid on this a year earlier, they would have owned uh, Bungie again uh, before Bungie split. <laughs> and uh, that was to me, that was the funniest thing. I'm like, oh, my God. Microsoft could have owned Destiny again, uh, but but then, or it could have owned Bungie and Destiny, but then uh, Bungie had split from from Activision. I, I guess they weren't owned by Activision; they were just closely partnered or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was that was the to me that was the funniest thing that could have been. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be interesting for the industry. We'll see if it's a bad thing or a good thing. Uh, most people are leaning towards bad, uh, but we'll kind of see what happens and how um, how evil of a corporation Microsoft becomes. Yeah, and. We're not going to find out for a long time. It's going to be a long time. The deal won't even finish for another year, and games take a really, really long time to make, so I don't see us seeing the results of this for two, three, maybe even four years before you start to really see the like the writing on the wall. All right, let's right. move on and talk about the Stadia Pro games that were announced uh, yesterday? No, the 25th, uh, so five days ago. Um, and these are games that you're going to have access to, uh, t- not tomorrow, the day, is there 31 days this month? Yes. All right. So the day after tomorrow, uh, you'll be able to check these games out. We got seven games this month. Um, mm-hmm. Cosmic Star Heroin, which is a really, really good, um, nin- Super Nintendo Super styled. N- yes. Thank you. Super Nintendo art direction styled, uh, RPG. Nano Tail, which I feel like I played, but I don't remember anything about. Marie's Market, which you've played. Fogs, yeah. one hand clapping. And then mm-hmm. Life is Strange and Life is Strange Before the Storm. What a ridiculously good lineup. Lloyd, which one do you want to yeah. talk about first? Well, uh, first, uh, I just want to say that uh, Nano Tail, I think, is the spiritual successor to, uh, to that 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 typing game that already existed early on on Stadia, the Typing Chronicles Um I'm oh, blanking okay. on the name of it right it. now. I can't remember what it's called. Um, so that that one's kind of interesting. You have a J, uh, Super Nintendo style JRPG. You have Merrick's Market, which is a time uh, like a, a time simulator thing where you're making stuff and trying to keep customers happy. Uh, Fogs, which is a ridiculous a couch co-op game where you can play with one controller with your co-op partner. You can play with two if you want, but it's hell of a lot more fun to share one controller and and the the hilarity that ensues from that. Epistory, thank you. I can't see. Uh, thank you for that. Ep story is what Nanotail was was the spiritual successor to. And then One Hand Clapping, um, a game we talked about in the past. And then you get into the big games, Life is Strange uh, and Life is Strange Before the Storm, which is the um, the prequel to Life is Strange. What a ridiculous month for games across all the different genres. You have RPGs and and time management and co-op platformers and then a really great story game. Um this is a pretty fantastic month. Of course, it has to be said, Life is Strange uh, Remastered Collection was supposed to be there, I think, in like August, September, October time frame or whatever, but it was delayed. Um, and it was delayed on all platforms. It comes out on every single platform except for Nintendo Switch on the first. So you can play it for free on Stadia where you have to pay, I think it's like $50 Canadian for the remastered uh, set on other platforms. So uh, you can save yourself 50 Canadian dollars uh, just by having a uh, a pro subscription. 
Um, claiming pro games this month, if you're a new Stadia pro subscriber, you get 50 games yeah. if you claim it February 1st, which is about a quarter of all the games on Stadia. So immediately you become a pro sub. You own a quarter of all the games that are on the platform, which is just completely ridiculous. And uh, yeah, can't wait to personally, I can't wait to jump into Life is Strange uh, remaster because I loved the first game so damn much when it originally came out. And uh, I can't wait to see what it looks like with the new the new graphics, the new animation and uh, some some cleanup of the the engine. It's going to be a fantastic title to go through. Yeah. You know, the thing that I think a lot of people either don't know or forget is the way that Stadia Pro works versus the way that something like Game Pass works, where with Game Pass each month. Well, not each month. uh, Game Pass, you regularly have like a certain number of games that are available to you. And those kind of cycle in and out. So you'll have new games that show up, and then old games that have been in Game Pass for a while, they will fade away. You no longer have access to them. If you want to play those games, you now have to buy them. With Stadia Pro, even if a once you claim the game, it is your game. It belongs to you as long as you are subscribed to Stadia Pro. Even if they take, say, Life is Strange 2, and in... In June, they no longer are giving that to people who are subscribed to Stadia Pro. You can still play it if you are subscribed to Stadia Pro because it's already been claimed by you. And I like personally, I think that that is the better way to do it uh, because that means that I'm not in the middle of a game and then suddenly that game is like, oh, but you know what, Bill? You were busy doing something else when this game first came out. And you just started playing it, and you're about three-fourths of the way through, and now it's going to remove, be removed from Game Pass, and now you have to buy it if you want to continue it. That's painful. Like, that would be terrible. And there's been times where I've looked at games on Game Pass, and I said, you know what, I'm not even going to start that game, because I don't think that I can get through enough of it before it's going to get yanked out from, from under my feet. So I will just straight up skip a game that I have access to, because I know I'm slow to get through games, and I know that it's a big game. So I think that's something that people need to keep in mind when they talk about Stadia Pro and what a really, really good deal it is. Yeah, it, it's it's a fantastic value. I, I mean, for the games, the the other stuff that comes with Pro, I, I don't know how valuable that is these days, like the getting 4K uh, streaming to you because how many games lately have been launching with yeah. like 4k support usually it's 1080p 60 or 1080p 30 um, but the games are really where stadia pro is shining and they're really kind of setting the tone here seven games of course it probably would have been five if the life is strange stuff hadn't been pushed from three four months ago five months ago um, it might have only been five um, march will will tell a good story about what stadia pro is going to be like for 2022 i think if we get another five plus games in in march maybe that is the way that pro is going um but yeah we, we don't know it's still a fantastic value like i said if you want to play the life is strange remasters it's going to cost you 50 bucks um on any other platform or you get it for free with your Stadia Pro subscription, even if you're on a free trial that you've never used before. Get in, play those games, and then get out. Um, it's uh, yeah, pretty good value, and it would be interesting to see what happens with Pro as uh, 2022 ticks forward, if there's going to be some substantial changes to it, or if it's just going to stay status quo. Yeah, and, I, and obviously we don't know about that, but we do have the fact that I don't know. Sometime last year, Google had updated the way that Pro works in order to make it more monetarily beneficial to the publishers that have their games on Stadia Pro. Basically, they said, we're going to give you more money. If somebody signs up for Stadia Pro for your because of your game, you're going to get money for that. If people are playing your game on Stadia Pro all the time, you're going to get more money for that. And right maybe that that was the thing that that spurred on life is strange and life is strange to to come to stadia pro because they've seen that other developers are making uh, a bunch of money based on that and so i think that it's a i think that personally i think and i've said this before i think that google really needs to change the way that stadia pro is marketed and stop trying to don't lock the 4k behind the pro because i think a lot of people 
would be much more likely to try Stadia if they could try it at its full potential without spending any money at all. Like you could play Destiny 2 at 4K without subscribing to Stadia Pro. It's Look, I don't know how it works there, but I'm guessing that we're using the same hardware whether I'm playing a game at 1080p or at 4K. I'm using the same hardware. So gating that, in my opinion, is a bad idea. Just make Stadia Pro about the games. And hey, you know what? Maybe even make it a little bit cheaper. Like drop it down to nine bucks a month or or do the year-long membership where you can sign up and get like a couple of months for free because you're paying for the whole year all at once. Sure. Um, And then like because now you've got a discount there, you're getting people in not based on things that you're they're not even taking advantage of. Like I'm playing uh, what's the Dungeons and Dragons game? Baldur's Baldur's Gate. Gate Yeah, Baldur's Gate Gate 3. I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3 on Stadia, but I'm not playing it at 4K because the game is not on 4K at Stadia. So I'm paying. Well, I'm not, but people are paying for 4k and not getting 4k and that doesn't feel good so they should just say everybody gets 4k stadia pro is just about the games yeah i i 100 agree with that Uh, it it made sense back in the day because not a lot of people had 4k sets so if you didn't have a 4k tv you wouldn't want to pay the extra 10 bucks to get 4k but now like 4k tvs you can get a, a 40 inch 4k tv for $59 $59 at an end cap at your grocery <laughs> store. Like they're, they're so ubiquitous, right? They're everywhere. Um, I, I don't think gating 4k anymore makes a lot of sense. A lot has changed in the world in the last two years. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we got a couple of new games that came to stadia. There was uh shifter, which yeah. Fast and furious spy racers rise of shifter. Yeah. Uh, which is a very long title. Looks really good. I want to play this one. Um, it, it's from outright games. They make a lot of more, uh, young, uh, young children, uh, styled games with like PJ Maxx and, and, uh, that, that dog thing that I thankfully escaped from, uh, my kids were, were old when that came out with the little like dog police officer things. I can't even remember what, what that whole franchise is called. They make the, uh, the dragon riders game that was on pro a couple months ago. Um, but they came out with uh, fast and furious, uh, spy racers rise of shifter, which looks like a really fun racing game with like rpg elements and then also troll hunters defenders arcadia which i think is based on the netflix series so paw patrol thank you hungry moogle Google. <laughs> that's the one paw patrol is what i was thinking about um so yeah these are some great games to come on stadia more of the outright games published titles uh it'll be cool to see if we get uh, more of their games on stadia in the coming months Absolutely. All right, let's move on to this is a this this is this is not good news. Uh, one of the games that got announced for Stadia um, before it even came out, like it was one, I think it was on Stadia before it was on other platforms, if I remember correctly, is the Civ style game Humankind, where they have a really cool way of kind of melding together multiple civilizations. So you like, you pick, I don't know, like the Sumerians, and like they have a certain ability that goes along with them and then as you play for a while you get to a certain point and they're like okay now pick another uh civilization to combine with them to very to, to make your playthrough incredibly unique and so maybe you'd pick like ancient greeks and put them together and you play for a while and then you're like all right well now i want to play as the canadians or what i, I don't know if canadians are on there i don't <laughs> think so uh, but you can keep adding these things in order to continually make your playthrough very very unique and it was a it was a, a game where they put out a demo the demo was ridiculously unfinished uh this was before the game came out it was only available on stadia the the demo was very very unfinished they didn't even have any t- tutorial to teach you how to play but then uh, later on, the game came out, and I think a lot of people were really enjoying it, especially if they were fans of that genre of game. Well, on the official um, blog, uh, not blog, uh, the, the official forums, they said this. Uh, let me bring this up on screen. It says, yes, you already noticed we deployed, deployed a patch 4.1 today. 
We were waiting for final confirmation before announcing it here. Next update, as we mentioned to you, will be at the end of April and will contain uh, (laughs) some hot fixes. (laughs) I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, Regarding the next DLC, it won't arrive on Stadia for the moment. I know this is unpleasant news, but we prefer to be completely honest and transparent with you. What's your initial reaction on this, Lloyd? I don't I don't know what would keep them from bringing DLC to a platform. It's not like it's like Red Bull sponsored DLC for a specific <laughs> thing and Red Bull doesn't want to work with Google. Like this is just DLC for the game and it, it's to me really surprising that it isn't um it isn't available on Stadia and disappointing for the people that picked up this game on Stadia because they wanted a cloud native version of the game and then now can't get all the content uh, that is available for it. So um, hopefully we find out more about this and it's not just like a, a, a translation issue as to when it's coming or whatever. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, in April if we get more news about this this DLC, if it's never, never coming or just isn't coming yet. Yeah, they put that for the moment in there, which to me, boy, if it is a translation issue, then that just means, oh, well, the DLC is delayed on Stadia. But for the moment, to me, like as I read that, the DLC won't arrive to Stadia for the moment makes me feel like, okay, what they mean to say is maybe we'll change our minds in the future, but don't hold your breath. Like, that's what it feels like to me. But at the same time, they said the DLC won't arrive to Stadia. So that feels like a translation issue because it feels like yep. they would say DLC won't arrive on Stadia. Yep. And that's that's why I threw that out. I think I, it might be someone that is um, like translating Google Translate or maybe English isn't their first language or whatever. And, and none of that is a bad thing. It's just right. the way it is sometimes when you're, uh, you're a global organization selling stuff all over the, the world. Um, hopefully we can get some clarification here. This was posted three days ago and I haven't seen any more updates on that thread and I haven't seen any updates on the Reddit thread that was referencing this thread on their website. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll get some clarity there because, um, well, it doesn't affect me. Uh, it sucks for all the people I know that were playing on Stadia that really wanted that DLC and were kind of wondering why it hadn't been announced yet. Now, uh, this is unrelated to this particular uh, issue, but just remind me, and people in chat can remind me as well, um, Humankind, was that one of the games that has the direct touch like the Wine Simulator game does? I don't remember off... I mean, it should, right? but I don't remember if it does. I, I tried the winemaking one. It worked really well, actually, so this would be a perfect game for it. I thought it had it, because I think it's Terraria... The winemaking simulator, and then I thought this was one uh, that had direct touch. I think it, it it was like the first game that had direct touch, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, Cookie McCrumble in chat says, yes, it has direct touch. Uh, Burger Bear is confirming it, as is Justin Lindholm. So thank you guys uh, for helping us out, since we can't remember everything. Um, <laughs> it, that's definitely... Like, that's the kind of game that needs to have direct touch in order to really perform well on... A device like this because you don't right. you don't have access to a mouse and keyboard and it's definitely a mouse and keyboard kind of game like i tried playing it with a controller i would not recommend that uh it's kind of a nightmare honestly all right let's move on and talk about vulcan for uh for those of you that don't know lloyd is about to tell us what vulcan is <laughs> well vulcan is kind of a low level um library that as a developer you use so you don't have to write code yourself that interfaces with all graphics cards and memory and all that stuff it's it's a it's kind of like DirectX if you've ever heard of that if you've ever used a Windows game you know what DirectX is Uh, but Vulkan is used on more than just Windows it's on Linux and it's on a bunch of different platforms as well Uh, well the the Vulkan uh, the Kronos group um, that manages the Vulkan project um, is going preparing to release Vulcan 1.3 to the public, uh, which is going to add a, a bunch of needed um, additions that developers really wanted uh, on on Vulcan, so that they can use it in their games. Um, but it's also going to mean like things like Vulcan ray tracing, Vulcan um, 
uh, there was another product that they were talking about a while ago and I'm blanking on it. But all the stuff that they've been talking about for a bit is closer to actually being in the public um, or, or I guess in the developer's hands, we'll say. Um, so that p- potentially in the future, games running on Google Stadia will be instantly better because they have a better low level um, graphics library that is allowing them to do what they want to do. So this is pretty big news. Um, Falcon is used on more than just Stadia. Um, but since it is used on Stadia, this is a, a good thing for us. It is. And uh, we have a quote here from Hi Nagoyan. I'm probably butchering their name. I apologize for that. They're a senior staff technical solutions engineer for Google Stadia. And here's their quote. They said, Vulcan 1.3 and the roadmap 2022 milestone may bring many welcomed quality of life improvements for devs, such as dynamic rendering, which element, which I'm sorry, dynamic rendering, comma, which eliminates the need for a render pass and a frame buffer objects and provides more streamlined approach to rendering. We look forward to making these improvements available on Stadia. So basically, it's going to make it a lot easier for devs to control uh, how their games look and how their games perform, uh, which is the the thing that I think a lot of devs run into is because they're they're working with this weird hardware that nobody else uses. And they're using Linux, which uh, is not used in, in most gaming places. Uh, it, it creates a lot of learning opportunities for the devs. And they sometimes they're, they're like, oh, I just prefer to do things the old way because I already know how to do it the old way. And sure, I can learn how to do it the new way, but that's going to take me a lot of time. And if it takes me a long time, I'm not getting paid. So right. we want to do things faster. This is going to let them do that, uh, and I think it might, you know, this along the along with the changes to Stadia Pro and the uh, the Stadia yeah. porting toolkit uh, could really bring more devs to Stadia because it makes things easier. Yeah, it, it, this is like Vulcan would, if you think of it as, as the analogy of a house, the Vulcan would be kind of like your 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 foundation of your house. So if you have a, a, a foundation that isn't performing properly, you're going to have issues with your house. Doesn't matter how many millions you spend on your 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 walls and paint and landscaping, you're still going to have problems with your house. So this is is allowing uh, the Vulcan team to make the foundation of a lot of games a lot a lot more stable, but also a lot more performance. So you don't have to as a developer spend cycles figuring out how I can um, juggle uh, the location of all these objects to figure out which ones are rendering in front of other ones. If your low level graphics um, uh, subsystem figures that out for you, you can then use those cycles elsewhere. And and that's kind of what what this improvement to Vulkan will bring to a lot of games. It's like when DirectX went from 11 to 12, a bunch of games that were using it uh, saw 20, 30, 40% more frames per second just because stuff that they were doing with DirectX 11 is just figured out for them in DirectX 12. I don't know if we're going to see the same benefit with Vulkan 1.3 from 1.2, but it's going to make developers' life a lot easier um, on a bunch of different platforms, not just Stadia, uh, which is is good. Um, Having these um, alternate libraries available for people is is a good thing because not everybody wants to use DirectX because that locks you in to either running it on windows or running some sort of uh, translation layer to get that stuff running on other other os's yeah you know the way that you said that it, it makes it easier for the devs uh i would i would say a good analogy to that would be ray tracing mm-hmm. video game companies it, like developers they can do amazing things without ray tracing it just takes a, a lot more work for them when they do ray tracing, like, and then the hardware can figure out all that stuff for them, that makes it faster for them to make the games look, we'll say, an, uh, like, we'll just say they want to get it to this level. They can get to that level easier with ray tracing than they can without. So if something supports ray tracing, the devs want to use it because it saves them time. This is the right. same kind of thing. This does not necessarily mean that ray tracing will come to uh stadia though uh we don't know how that will work exactly yeah but we we know that ray tracing is one of the things that they were developing um the newer versions of the uh the vulcan library because they wanted to have hardware 
and software-based ray tracing be able to be programmed just through an API, uh, just like it is on, on a lot of other platforms where you don't have to, to, to roll your own um, code to do it. You expect some of the, the, the engine and then the graphics subsystem below the engine to kind of do some of that heavy lifting for you. It looks like that will be a, a functionality that this version of Vulkan will make easier for developers, whether it's supported on all the platforms. Well, that, that we can't say that here. Um, it, it all base, based on it's all based on the hardware that you have running that video game. So we'll see what happens on Stadia. Yeah. Um, real quick, I want to mention this only because I'm excited about it, and that is Dynasty Warriors 9 uh, is right. coming to Stadia on February 15th. Lloyd added this into the show notes. Did you add this in because you know I'm a big fan of Muso games, or did you add it in because you're a big fan of these games? I added it in because it's pretty big news. It's coming day and date with all the other platforms, and we've never had a Dynasty Warriors game on Stadia before. So this is kind of kind of big news. Maybe not um, everybody's favorite franchise, but this is a huge franchise uh, in in kind of the rest of the world. And this is one of the fastest selling. Uh, through pre-orders, uh, Dynasty Warriors games ever. So we know that uh, the Muso franchise or the Muso style game got a huge bump from uh, what is Fire Emblem Warriors and Hyrule Warriors, mm-hmm. which really took the Warriors games and made them fun for a lot of people because maybe they don't have a lot of affinity for like ancient uh, Japanese um, stories about uh, warlords and and how how Japan became what Japan is now. Maybe a lot of people don't have a lot of affinity to that, but they sure like Link and running around as Link <laughs> on a motorcycle with a whip was pretty cool for them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how well this game does, but I'm I'm super happy to see it on Google Stadia. Uh, me, me too. I love those games. Um, and I, I did, like, somebody asked me, they said, is Dynasty Warriors 9 uh, Empire's DLC for Dynasty Warriors 9? And this is really, really confusing. Dynasty Warriors 9 is a different game. Dynasty yeah. Warriors 9 Empires is a they are separate games. Uh and that's a good thing because apparently Dynasty Warriors 9 on Steam has really terrible reviews. Um and, and I guess the Empires series is uh pretty well thought of and the other one is not so great. If you're curious what this game is like and you have access to other platforms, there is a demo on other platforms. I haven't played this, so I don't I don't know. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to checking this out um, in a couple of weeks on uh, Google Stadia. Um, right. Real quick, there is a landmark registration completed in Brazil. I'm not going to pretend that I really know what this means, but it seems like possibly... Stadia might be coming to Brazil, which we've seen Google expand Stadia into other countries that were not there at launch. But it's it's I think it's only happened once so far. And um, I, I, look, the chip shortage definitely put a crimp in their style. <laughs> like they, <laughs> yeah. they, they had all these plans. And then the pandemic, like they launched November 2019. I don't know if you guys are aware, but the 19 and COVID-19 is the year that we figured it out. So um, <laughs> that's that's what's going on with Google. Like they, they launched it and immediately the whole world just went bananas. And they, they were like, well, crap. Uh, and then there's the chip shortage because everybody's buying up microchips so they can have their stupid NFTs or whatever. And next thing you know, there's there's no chips for PlayStations and Xboxes and, and Stadia and cars. Like, there's just not enough computer chips uh, to go around. And I'm sure that that slowed down Stadia's uh, international rollout, which I'm sure also hurt them with some publishers. Some publishers are not going to get on board until there's a wider... Uh, player base and you can't have a wider player base if you're not in more countries so this is a good 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 thing yeah this is really good i I just want to go back to the previous story because i misspoke uh pretty big uh i said japanese history it's chinese history that's what the dynasty and dynasty warriors stands for my bad and thanks to black label or higher in the chat room for keeping me honest i completely misspoke and i do apologize for that uh anyway back to this uh this this is great um yeah, this this is good news. And if, if we can get an expansion to the rest of the world as well, that would be fantastic, too. And I, I could be wrong about this, but I think in Brazil, video game consoles are 
really hard to come by. I think that I remember reading stories about that, about it's really hard to get your hands on video game consoles in Brazil because of some tariffs or whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember, I, I, I think it was Brazil, a story where this was like in the PlayStation 3 era. Um, there was still a huge market for like the NES and Sega Master System, whatever it was called in, in there, because you could actually buy those. So there was still a lot of people buying like all these old consoles because they were still available where the new ones were like $2,000 to buy a console or something crazy like that. I remember early on um, when like the Nintendo Wii was out there, um, it was tough to get a lot of those consoles and uh, they were they were spending a lot of money on older stuff, which was just so wild to me uh, because I love retro games. So to go to a country where retro games aren't retro anymore and I could just <laughs> go to the store and buy them, that was like that was heaven. Uh, the thought that was like a, a glimpse of heaven to me. Um, so I, I seem to remember that as a story as well. Right. Which makes the idea of cloud gaming f- even more uh, appealing to that audience. Exactly. So 100%. I can definitely see Google looking at that and saying that's a market that is ripe for the picking. Let's get our, let's get our stadia blades down there into that country and get everything working. Um, we'll see if it actually happens or not though, because nobody can get microchips these days. Uh, <laughs> real quick. I saw a comment last episode from Michael Ricci. Uh, hopefully I said your name right, Michael. And they said the biggest thing for me for white labeling is I won't be able to use my stadia controller and play on all of my devices. Yeah. Do you think that do you, is there well, a way for that to do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if yeah. that's possible. I, I don't think it would be because of the way that. Well, we only have one um, example of white labeling. There might be other white labeling things that Google's worked on. We just don't know yet. But they did that tie in with like Comcast and WB to get the old Batman games uh, played playable. And that was using Stadia white label. And you had to use another controller. You could not use the Stadia controller because the only way for the Stadia controller to function is to connect back to Google's servers through Wi-Fi. There's no way to use like Bluetooth to your phone or anything like that, which is super unfortunate. And hopefully that changes in the future because then you would be able to use your Google Stadia controller on all the different platforms if it just operated similar to like a PS4 or or an Xbox One controller. Right. But at the same time, like people, the, the reason that we knew that the Batman thing was a Stadia white label thing was because when you hit the button, it was just unbranded Stadia UI elements were all over the place, right? So like I don't when you don't hit the button know. it came up on the side like it slid in from the side and said the the Stadia stuff on the right-hand side of the screen. It just it, didn't say Stadia. I don't remember that. I remember the only way that people were able to figure out that it was white labeling is if you you hit some like support link, it brought you to a page that then linked to to Stadia. Like it it said um streaming services provided by Google Stadia or something along those lines. I I don't remember the UI stuff, but I don't I'm I'm Canadian, so Comcast news doesn't really uh interest me at all. So it might have it might have just uh just breezed over my head mm-hmm. without noticing. But uh but yeah, like I, I love my CD controllers, but I would really love if Google could could patch them so that they work as Bluetooth controllers. Because we know there's Bluetooth in here, uh, but that's just not functional for anything right now. So maybe that'll be the the solution. They have millions of these out in people's homes by giving them away. And then it's like all of a sudden we're pushing an update to it and you can use it on your TV through Wi-Fi. You can play other games on it um, through wi- uh, through Bluetooth, rather. Um, or you can play the official Stadia app for the best performance with Wi-Fi. Maybe that's the future for these guys. Yeah, and uh, like Tori M in chat is saying, I can use the Stadia controller for xCloud and GeForce on my phone. Yes, you can, but it has to be plugged in. And so like, we're talking about wirelessly, which is, that's- I'm not going to speak for everybody else, but you all can take your wires and get rid of them. I'm not interested in wires. Wires can go away. No, thank you. Um, I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. Before we get out of here, we did get a super chat during the show. Big thank you to Kevin Smith. Uh, not that Kevin Smith, but big thank you to Kevin Smith. He said, could Stadia just use Proton like the Steam Deck? Um, maybe Lloyd knows the answer to this, as he's really the more technically savvy of the two of us. Um, I so- don't know, but... Like, it feels like Google was working in a parallel kind of thing with the Stadia porting toolkit. Lloyd? 
Yeah, so um, we, this is when we were talking about Vulcan, and Proton is different from Vulcan. So Vulcan is like DirectX um, that runs below games. You have Unreal Engine that runs above DirectX. You also have Unreal Engine that can run above um, Vulcan. But if you want to use Proton, what that does is it takes a Windows executable and makes it usable on Linux by every single call to a Windows-like thing gets translated to do the same thing on Linux. So uh, in the future, Google could 100% take Proton and use it. It's open source. And they could have Windows executables that then behave as Stadia executables just by running that compatibility layer. So all the Windows calls or Linux calls, et cetera, et cetera. Um, developers would still have to do some coding on their game because they want to tie into crowd play and 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 stream play and and all the other uh all the other stuff that is google stuff the google api um but they could potentially do that they would have a, a windows based game with a plugin for stadia to add all the stadia stuff on top of it and then it runs on proton 3.0 that would be that would be a fantastic future and it might make game development a little bit quicker on stadia but it would still be uh, rife with issues because of running a cloud CPU that you then have to make sure is running at the right speed and, and all the other stuff that comes with game development. It's not as easy as uh, copy paste and run. Uh, there'd be a lot more to it. Um, but yeah, you, Proton as a solution in the future would be great. And if they can take a lot of the work that Valve has done to make this usable, uh, that would just be a huge benefit to Stadia. Good answer, hat guy. <laughs> That's, That's my new name. That's, that's when you name Linux Network, <laughs> hat guy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode of StadiaCast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I'm Bill. That's Lloyd. Say goodbye, Lloyd. Take it easy, everybody. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you here next week on StadiaCast.